millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Alright, folks. Welcome to Nino's Corner.tv. I'm joined with Juanito. Juanito, can you hear me? El Juanito. <laughs> <laughs> Nino, Nino, Nino. <laughs> you know where that yeah. came from, by the way. You remember where that came from. That was Barbara, the uh, donkey gal uh, with the two donkeys up in uh, Idaho. And she, when when you were fussing and hand-wringing, we were out there petting the donkeys. And she says, Nino, Nino, Nino. Remember that? Yeah, that was her. Yeah, that was her that said that the first time. That's where <laughs> you got it from. That. That's where it came from when she said that on your show. <laughs> and it kind it of, came from Barbara Nino, and the donkeys. Nino, Nino. <laughs> With the hand wringing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, you that's, know, that's mean, what everyone says now. <laughs> Everywhere yeah. I go, Nino, Nino, Nino. Oh, it was funny. You know, when I was speaking out in Arkansas the other day, uh, people kept coming up, you know, and, and they know uh, us from – the show and uh, asked me several times people wanted me to say Nino, Nino, Nino. so it was it was it was just very fun and and uh that has become uh you know somewhere down the road when people look back on this period there's a few things that have come up over the course of of the last couple of years that people will kind of remember as like tag lines and fun things about the moment i think that's one of them you know the hand wringing <laughs> Nato's Cremo. Uh, there'll be there'll be little touch points all the way through. Well, that you know, kind of fun. you've said many times that we're in the doldrums of summer, you know, and it is kind of like it's kind of flat, you know, a lot of bad shit's happening, but at the same time, it's like the new cycle. It's kind of just it's, it's just kind of like the dog days of summer, right? You've said this is just kind of yes. nothing really taken off. It's kind of just everything's kind of falling flat. The news cycle is kind of dead. You got to really know where to look to find something. There are stuff happening behind the scenes, but I don't know what it's Well, a lot of the players, a lot of the players are uh, staging right now for the next uh, piece of the puzzle, the next part of what's got to happen here. And so, you know, you think that they're, you know, they're not doing anything. It's not true. They're doing stuff. They're just doing it. Got to throw it over so the flies get my shrimp. Um, they're doing stuff behind the scenes, and they're doing kind of their meetings, getting ready for what's coming. Uh, but out in the open, uh, they're also with their families. They're doing uh, little secret handshake meetings, things like that, setting up for what's coming. 
uh, in multiple. Oh, I, I've been uh, right about what I say. Like right now, we're kind of we're steadily moving in this elevation, and then by fall, it's going to be a vertical jump. Yeah, I, I think that's an accurate way of saying it. It, it will appear uh, almost like slingshotting forward. Um, and I don't want to get into you know. Look, um, let me say it this way. Uh, we had it back in the 90s. I saw it again after, uh, uh, you know, the stuff at the turn of the century. I don't even want to say the name of the event because it'll flag something. Look, yeah. at the end yeah. of the day, you can get so wired moment to moment to moment to moment, and you start losing perspective. Uh, that You know, uh, that, I'm tired, Juanito. I'm exhausted. I think my audience is exhausted. Everyone's feeling it. It's hot as hell outside. Hot. It's 110 degrees outside. And it's just like, I just yeah, here in El Paso, it's been hitting 110. And it's yeah. just, it's been brutal. And it's just, people are exhausted, man. I'm exhausted. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's like, uh, I keep pushing myself every day to get, make these programs and come out here. And it's just like, it just feels like this July is just like this muggy, just dead, Doldrums of summer. That's the best way to explain it. You well, said it. The, the, the inside the various kind of groups behind the scenes, this is the dog days. Uh, the dog star Sirius disappears below the horizon. Uh, a lot of the groups go dark during this period. They spend time with families. They do other stuff. Uh, you know, they literally try to refresh themselves in preparation for what happens as we come out of those dog days of summer and things you know to most people catapult forward well they're they've you know they've been coasting a little bit and the engine's gone to idle and there's decelerating and all of a sudden somebody puts the power to the throttle again and it's it you know so you're is it kind of like so. is it kind of like when he did, man you're having a glass of wine man that's awesome oh yeah. is it kind of yeah. like is it kind of like Reason. I'm having a cigar right now, Wendy? Though I'm having a cigar, you're having a glass of wine. Mm. Would you yeah. say? Would you say it's kind of like if if there's in my terminology, boxing terminology, like this is like in between rounds right now for the world, like like we're in between rounds, they're in the corner, so we're in our corner, we're getting instruction. Well, you know, let's say it this way: you know, when you when you have that between the rounds. Uh, you fight like hell right up until the bell, and you still kind of warily pull back from your opponent to make sure they don't get one sucker punch in, right? Yeah, and then it's... you head to your corner. Um, and you might have a cut. You might have uh, a bruise coming up, any number of things. So they're kind of working on you. And then they're also, you're right there in the fight. You don't have perspective. At the side of the ring, they see things that you might not have seen because you're right in there. And so now they're trying to tell you, look, you're, you've got to go in closer. You've got to uh, take advantage of your reach over his. You've got to protect this area of your face because you've got to cut on it or something like that. They're coaching you, and they're trying to get past all the adrenaline to make sure that you're ready when the bell goes off to dive back in and pick up where you left off. And so that's not wrong. I mean, we're in a moment. If, if you look back, I, I told you the 10 things when there was more where they had fails. This is not inappropriate to take a little bit of, of a mental uh, break. There's other things going on in the world that, uh, you know, myself, um, 
uh, I read a scientific paper last night on something that somebody sent me. And, you know, it was like 140 pages. And uh, so in the middle of the night, I, I was having a hard time sleeping. It's so hot and like that. And so I just, I kind of got a middle night's cooler, I think clearer middle of the night sometimes and went through it and uh, uh, really enjoyed it. Just my mind had to go to a different place. And when I got done, what was amazing was there was a couple things that came up in it. And I went, oh, shoot, that is application here and here. This is potentially why this certain thing is happening in uh, something going on in the military political side. Sometimes you go somewhere else and you get a little bit of a break and then you find something else out that actually is relevant, but it comes from the most oddball place. And uh, I remember back during the 90s that it was all, uh, you know, Clintons all the time. And you just burn people out. It's like getting turkey on Thanksgiving. And then you get turkey sandwiches the next day, and then you get turkey, you know, soup and uh, leftovers like that. that, By day three, you're done. You're that's pretty much <laughs> that's how I feel right now. That's, that's pretty much why it's how I Christmas feel. Christmas ham instead of a Christmas turkey, right? We don't want turkey anymore. We're done. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really I think how I feel. My audience feels. It's like I, I guess I guess maybe we should take a little break. One, I don't know. I mean, it feels like, and my audience is saying, no, 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 no. We want to know what's going on. I, I do too, but maybe I don't know. Maybe we could uh, maybe talk about something else. You know, you know what? Okay, so I'll tell you. So here's here's one. Um, you know, the other day I mentioned to you all the fires up in Ontario and that, that affects me in a different way. When I hear Ontario, Canada, this is for all you Canadians up there, my Canadian friends. And, you know, Nino, we have a huge audience up in Canada. Yeah, we do. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, outside of the U S the biggest place that uh, my books have gone to for customers is up in Canada. And by the way, I should actually add it. There is a way we we haven't sold books out of the country for uh, over a year. It's just such a pain. I I, I paid way more uh, to do that as kind of a courtesy, but I haven't done that for last year. We actually have a way that I should have it over on the side. I was supposed to a month ago, and I've been too busy uh, where people can go over to Gumroad and, and order the book out of the country, and, and we have a service that will take care of that for you. I'll, I'll try to get that up over the weekend. But, but here's the thing. Um. Canada, you know, Canada is a bigger area, far bigger than the United States, as you go up into the Arctic regions. Yet, it's only got uh, 10% of the population in the United States. Is that amazing? It's, this, it's, it's very unpopulated over these vast areas. Um, there's uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of lakes in Canada in the northern regions that probably no person's stepped foot on them, you know, hundreds of years, you know, thousands uh, and thousands of protected, uh, you know, of acres of land. Right. When they do. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, 12,000 years. How how many, how many of those acres are on fire? I mean, how many have we lost? Uh, you know, I'd have to just defer to some of the Canadians to know that, but there, there was all sorts of oddball stuff about the way those fires started it obviously appeared very um, uh, man-made in the way yeah. those fires started yeah. in the various places. And so I don't want to, you know, uh, again, we can get into some of that stuff, but then I think I'd lose some of the people because all of a sudden their blood pressure is going up. 
Uh, I can see brain cells exploding and everything else. Uh, you know, uh, the kids are screaming in the back seat, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, give me a break, okay? So, But let me let me just tell you why, like, that, um, that hits me. Uh, when I was pretty young, uh, very early 70s, uh, I was, uh, you know, I ran with an interesting crowd and, uh, some of these guys were pretty wild guys. So one of them, uh, we were having dinner, uh, at, uh, a friend of mine's house who was a very, um, influential businessman at the time with very interesting uh, business contacts that were names that everybody go, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So. But anyway, so we're having dinner and, and this guest was over. He had a book that had just come out and, uh, uh, he was, uh, reportedly one of the guys that worked with, uh, you know, he said, I mean, you know, and I take it, you know, with his word, I mean, there's a lot of, lots of publications talking about this. He worked with uh, Bill Donovan over, uh, OSS when they started what later became, uh, you know, uh, office, office of strategic services. I'm on my second glass of wine, uh, uh, which was the, uh, intelligence operation in World War II that, that in 47 became. And you've been running with this crowd for a, quite a long time, huh, Juanito? Well, I was, I mean, I was, I was a kid, but I got to be in the room and I had, uh, cause I was probably not exactly, uh, normal. Uh, I, I, I was, um, you could say maybe groomed, uh, probably really, but I was allowed to be in the room and, uh, uh ask questions and listen in. And so, uh, it affected me, uh, you know, later in life. Um, I have another friend that had kind of a similar history. In fact, I, I, uh, I've been editing his his book here for a bit, and uh, uh, probably will release that later in the year. Uh, and uh, very, very interesting, cool guy. Uh, we'll probably have him on your show at some point, but that's for a little bit later. But but anyway, so I'm in this in this room, and this guy, uh, his name is uh, Bill. Uh, uh, I can't remember if it's Stevenson or Stephenson. Uh, you know, I always think of Stephen the Martyr or Stephen the Martyr or whatever. I always get it confused. Anyway, he uh, he had written a book about his early history. And, and at the time, there was people coming out and attacking him. And so my guys who actually knew him and knew Bill Donovan are trying to give him a little bit of cover. Well, uh, uh, in that time period, as I recall, and it's been a long time, Ian Fleming had kind of come out in his defense. You know, Ian Fleming wrote James Bond. And he was in British intelligence. And so a lot of what he writes about in James Bond was reflective of his own personal experience. One of the greatest movies that probably nobody in this audience has really ever heard of, but you really enjoy it. It's got a lot of uh, depth, layers, great acting, is uh, Project Mincemeat. And it's based on a true story. And the guy that's the writer in there that's writing uh, the intelligence reports and all that that was the real Ian Fleming in this Project Mincemeat, which um, became the program for diverting the Germans from the true landing point in Italy so that our, our forces uh, landed unopposed in, in uh, Italy uh, during World War II. And so uh, 
Ian Fleming came out in defense of Stevenson, uh, Stevenson when he was writing the book or just after and said that uh, he was the real basis for James Bond. There's been all sorts of speculation out there, but I mean, that's from Ian Fleming himself. And uh, so I'm in this meeting, this dinner meeting, and uh, these guys are all, you know, war stories, all their history uh, stuff. At the time, the thing they were talking about that was in the background was uh, the uh, story behind the story behind the story of what was going on with the uh, K-129, which was the Russian submarine that was lifted off the uh, Pacific in uh, Glomar Explorer. And uh, that really wasn't public yet, but they were aware of it and the ramifications going on in the background and Hughes and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm a kid um, and uh, with a good memory. And so in the course of this, this guy takes a left turn to outer space. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, nobody saw this coming. So one of the guys, I think it was my friend that asked, he says, uh, you know, how'd you get into this? What was it like being around uh, Wild Bill and uh, all that training stuff and like that? And and he was saying, you know, the initial camp, which was like a month or two, was not that bad. And then he had some extra training. And so a half dozen of them were literally flown out some remote forest region they didn't know where they were at had no idea where they were at anything all they had was a a stiletto knife which was a a knife that they used it was kind of their trademark thing made by a kitchen knife manufacturer in uh, uh, connecticut or new hampshire or something like that that made uh nk flipping spatulas anyway so uh and they turned the the pancake spatula into a stiletto uh frame or something like that that became famous the basis for a lot of knives for special forces so anyway they drop him it's uh middle of the night uh uh, give me about five minutes and bring me another one if you would please thanks um he has to parachute in and he'd been training and done you know, hundreds of jumps off this uh, platform. He hadn't jumped out of uh, with a parachute before in his life, before he did the training at this uh, uh, Camp uh, uh, X, uh, Project X uh, camp that was there uh, on Lake Ontario. So anyway, uh, he'd done a couple of real dives from aircraft, and then with relatively minimal training, and he was a young guy, I don't know how old he was, uh, as I recall. That's, this is, I'm just recalling this from memory now. Uh, and I think he was early or mid-20s, maybe, uh, was kind of the impression that I had. And uh, jumps out of an airplane, and he's out in this forested region. And uh, uh, this is after the war, when we're in the Cold War stuff or something, as I recall. Anyway, whatever time it was, uh, it's been so long. Uh, he he jumps out of this plane, and uh, it's twilight. So he has just a little bit of light, um, just barely coming over the hill. But, you know, when you're on an airplane and you're a few thousand feet up and you jump, you might have a little light up high, but as you get down to where the trees are, it gets pitch black for a little bit. Right. So as he's landing, 
he he's coming in. He hits the tall uh, tundra type grass right at the edge of the tree line, and he's trying to get his bearing and the shoots going down and all that, and uh, uh, very still. And he's he's kind of looking, trying to get his his uh, night vision you know, to see stuff clearly and uh, get his bearings. And uh, he was in kind of a, a little bit at the edge of a, a river or swamp or something, some water. As he's looking, he realizes that like a hundred yards away and he gets out uh, some binoculars. Yeah, he had just binoculars and a knife and a compass. And he's looking and he sees uh, some kind of a creature and he's describing this, you know, I'm all ears. He's describing this. He's some kind of a creature standing at the side of the river, uh, you know, like 100 yards away or something. It, that doesn't seem to, to understand that he's there, isn't looking for him, doesn't know he's there, doesn't care, is preoccupied with something. And he realizes that it's putting rocks into a uh, a cairn, a, 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 um, a rock. No, a rock, uh, well, kind of a, a tower of some sort. Okay? okay, and it's it's you know it's pretty big and it's, it's building. It's actually building it's building something? a yeah. It's building a, it's building like a rock uh, tower memorial something like that. Right, and it's pretty good size. It's bigger than than this this thing is. And he's just watching it because it's like you know he's all eyes and he's not moving and he's just watching. He's out out with the binoculars and. His description, he thought it was, uh, you know, a person, a man or something like that. But then it was huge. And then he realized it wasn't, he thought it was like somebody in a ghillie suit. And, and you have to understand, he thought he was being set up. And this is the way, you know, he was describing it. He thought they parachuted him in and and lied to him about what he was actually going into. And they he thought he was being set up. Because they'd done other stuff where they'd say, well, here's what we're doing. And then they'd get totally in a whole different direction. Like deliberately and they'd have confused. To think on their feet. Right. Well, yeah. You know, you think you're going into a situation with friendlies. The next thing you know, they grab you, put you in a room and act like they're interrogating you. And you got to, you know, instantly go from being the one that's in charge of everything to not speaking. and Shifting showing gears. You can the shift gears. Shift gears instantly, yeah. So he thought he'd been in a situation where somebody was maybe doing like a sniper trap or whatever because this person's wearing a ghillie suit is what it looked like to him. What's a ghillie suit? A ghillie suit is like a, a camouflage suit to look like the terrain that you're in with brush okay. in it, grass, whatever. Okay, you see snipers all the time uh, wearing their, their ghillie suits. So anyway, he's trying to get his mental bearings and as he's watching this, uh, and this didn't become relevant to me till till years later, and I put a couple pieces together based on other stuff. But at the time, uh, he said something, and, and you know, this had a huge impression on me. One second we're talking spy masters and his book, and the other guys, and James Bond, and everything else. The next thing he's saying, I realized it was like. Uh, a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot. I'm looking at oh, Bigfoot. one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> now and, we're talking. But, <laughs> now we're talking, Juanito. Well, so he's watching this thing, and he says the thing puts its head against this rock thing that it had had been 
building up higher for a couple minutes while he's there. And, and, you know, he was saying that it was getting lighter and lighter out. He puts his head up against it, and then he's making all sorts of weird sounds, leaning his head right on these rocks, okay? While he's leaning his head on it, he's humming, he's howling, he's making all sorts of noises, leaning on this tower. Well, uh, somewhere in here, uh, uh, I think he said it was a moose. It was a big animal. It was moose, something that was somewhere right close to him, and, and it stirred him. And then this thing kind of stood back, wasn't concerned, but looked around and had him nailed just almost instantly saw him. And so it kind of just uh, stepped back away, uh, froze for a moment or two longer. And, and what he realized was where he was at um, with – he was using small binoculars and looking the sun was hitting off the face of the binoculars and reflecting right at this thing. So the the creature was seeing the binoculars reflecting to him. And, uh, he was saying, you know, I I learned a lesson that day, you know, I should have known better. Uh, you got to think of the angle of reflection. The enemy can see it that way too. And, and that was something he always remembered, but this creature, and then didn't seem overly concerned. It just walked away. Um, now, uh, well, let's talk, let's talk all, about this. Let's talk about this okay. for a second, one though, because actually, I have talked to you about this before briefly, and I, I actually mm-hmm. been wanting for a very long. I'll do it today. I'm going to go ahead and shift gears here and talk to you about this because we have talked about this creature together before on the phone, and I've always oh, wanted you. to to bring this up on a show, which you just right. did, which is perfect. Um, mm-hmm. So. I've heard many things that these, and I know that you've been in around these circles of people that would know about this type of creature. Um, can you go in depth about what you know about it? Because I know you know some things about it that you've told me over the phone. Can we talk about it publicly? Yeah. Uh, I mean, let me just say this. You know, I this was something that was peripheral, but it got my attention. And so... Um, I've cued on it for a lot of years. Of course, familiar with all the various stories and all the interviews. You know, our Bell was a friend, and he had Bigfoot people on all the time. And so I'd listen, you know, uh, you know, very carefully and uh, think where I could shoot holes in what they were saying and, and blah blah blah. But uh, uh, let me just let me just finish this one little story tidbit here. So he went over and he examined this structure after he was pretty comfortable that that creature had gone away and he figured this thing was something around nine and a half to ten feet tall based on where it was at and then the rocks were up there all the way at about 13 or 14 feet up wow wow uh that's how high it was it was a huge uh so what kind of a monolith thing okay so if these things build structures why aren't we seeing more of these structures if they're actually capable of building structures, why don't we see these structures everywhere? Well, uh, uh, let's come back to that a little later in the story. I think that's a really important question. Um, uh, and I think we do. We just don't necessarily realize it uh, at times. Um, what happened with this one he went up and he looked at it, and he said that he noticed uh, a very interesting thing. There's uh, islanders in the Pacific, and 
other parts of the world, uh, you know, he, I think he said his dad was from uh, Ireland or Scotland or something like that. And there's certain groups of people around the world that seem to have extra aptitude to make rock uh, structures, you know, castles, rock walls, etc. And it takes more skill than you first maybe would realize to make a rock structure because they have all these different shapes. And then you have to, you look at a, a, a f- bunch of rocks and you almost have to be on the spectrum. Yes. You know, idiot savant type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see, <coughs> excuse me, shapes and you can, you know, remember, remember the movie Rain Man where, yeah, right. uh, uh, he looks down, uh, and he sees, you know, the guys drop toothpicks in a restaurant and he no, looks so down he, and says, yeah. you know, 189 or something. And it's like, you know, an instant after all these toothpicks have fallen on the floor. And what, what, what? 189. And he's looking at all the toothpicks on the floor. So the waitress picks up all the toothpicks and counts them and it's 189. How do you know that? How do you know that? How, do, how could you see that? Uh, people's brains process differently. Um, uh, let me just, let me just flip for one second. There's a guy, and I think he's up in uh, Northern Europe. I think it's Sweden or Switzerland or someplace up there. There was a thing a few years ago where he says that he sees numbers as shapes, that every number has its own individual shape. And uh, he could call out prime numbers uh, literally for, you know, 14, 15 hours, you know, uh, continuously uh, up into the, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions, whatever, and never missed a beat. He hit every prime number. And one of the things that he says, uh, and he's clearly on the spectrum, is that he, every number has a specific shape. So he takes clay and he'll you know, uh, fashion like number 17, uh, you know, number, you know, uh, you know, 291 or something. Uh, and then he can show how the numbers, the prime numbers, all fit together. And so he can make a clay piece this and a clay piece that, and they'll go together perfectly. And he says that's the number. You can come back to him a year later and ask him, you know, 1,000 such and so, such and so, and he'll make a clay shape that's exactly that number. Wow. And apparently there's a couple of other people that are similar, they see what we identify as a number as a shape. It's, it, it's bizarre, but, um, you know, it's, it's a very real uh, thing. There's another guy that was shot, uh, out in the Northwest. I think, uh, one of the malls, uh, uh, South of Seattle somewhere, Goma mall or something. And he, uh, uh, had a brain injury. And in the hospital, he started doing all these weird, uh, this weird art. And he drew it with uh, all these lines. And he, he said he no longer sees stuff the way everybody else does. He sees stuff as energy lines based on fractals. Mm. And so he does this amazing art. And it's lines just tying things together. When you look at it, it's just, you know, it's like a computer drew it or something. And he's saying, this is how I see the world around me. I don't see. They're saying Sasquatch is on the spectrum. Well, and so now I come back to the Sasquatch. What what, uh, uh, Bill said 
was that stuck with me. He said this uh, Karen, as he called it, uh, and I assume that's because his dad or something was from that part of the world, Scotland or Ireland, uh, and that's what they call, I guess, kind of these rock walls or whatever. Anyway, this Karen, um, the rocks were put together so precisely that he went to go pull one out. He couldn't pull it out. It was interlocked so precisely. And, and these are just he, rocks he, this, this creature found and just decided to place together. And he, he was able to. Well, there was, there was like a little bit of a riverbed uh, a little ways away, but there was nothing right there. And what he noticed was that it looked like maybe there was a trail going over where this river was a little further away. And he'd carried him to this exact spot. And what was unique about this spot was it was on like a rock that was underneath that maybe was a bigger boulder. You could look all around the area, and it was kind of this tundra, uh, uh, mush, grass stuff. This one spot had a rock that protruded out around where this cairn was. And so, and and I'll come back to that later. This is really, this is something that I, I think I was unique in, in kind of speculating, putting together uh, within the community. Uh, so, um, he just noted that, but then he's also, he's got so many hours to so many days to get to where he was supposed to be coming from to complete what he was doing. And so he couldn't just sit there. He had to beat feet. Uh, you know, it's getting daylight, uh, and he's, you know, on a mission, he gets his bearings and, and figures out where he's at. And he has to be back in so many, you know, such period of time. I think he said several days. And he talked about that um, during this trek, occasionally he would hear something uh, following him. The whole time, he assumed he was being tracked by his own people. He was expecting to get snatched any moment and interrogated again. He'd had a, a rough go with an interrogation uh, during a previous period where they were simulating interrogation. And so he's the whole time he's trying to play cat and mouse to not get caught. Um. So that was his experience, and he, he was very serious about it, that this really affected him. Um, and it's always been on his mind, but, you know, he wanted to go back, find that place, blah, 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 never had a chance, and always wanted to. And this was somewhere in the Ontario uh, region. I've heard that, So, well, I've heard from uh, the Elwha Indian tribe, I think it is, that they've taken excursion in, in, into Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is that right? Saskatchewan is that in Canada? Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Yeah, I mean Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. I mean that's named after Sasquatch. I mean, let's think about it. <laughs> and they, and they go to these excursions. It's like the Elwha Indian tribe or something, and that they go with the elders and they go with the Sasquatches and the Sasquatches take them down into these cavern systems. Uh, that's very um inhabitable for humans even, and they they teach them things. They teach them how to hunt. They teach them how to fish. Uh, the, the Sasquatch actually teaches these this tribe, and that, that I've heard this from a friend. And it was almost like he told me these unbelievable stories that he knew this Indian kid personally, and this kid would tell him stories about how they would go live with the Sasquatch for a couple weeks at a time and learn from the Sasquatch, and that the Sasquatch is very, very. Um, uh, the, the one thing that he said about them is that they're, they're not. They're very athletic. They're very agile. They have these cavern systems in which they're not being, they're not able to be found. And that, uh, 
that is, and they're very elusive, and they're very, you know, like I think you even told me one that they can make a twenty uh, foot vertical jump. Isn't that what you told me? Um, yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're uh, think of think of a great eight, and uh, part of the part of the thing is people. But they're so enormous. You know, How do we not see them everywhere? I mean, they are they only in. I, I would imagine they're in Washington, Oregon, places like that. But where, why don't we see them in like New Mexico? Or do oh, or do California we? and Texas. One of the one of the guys that our bell had on years ago. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets, NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Fighterflare.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare flashlight. The Fighter Flare flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Flare.com. Oh, was a guy that said they were on a hunting thing and uh, shot one, and they then realized they thought it looked 
human enough, they weren't sure if they'd done something illegal and buried it. Uh, and that was down in, uh, I think, northern Texas. But these things are uh, so or, enormous. How come they're not? I mean, a lot of people, I, I've heard a lot of sightings, but I mean, why don't we see more of them? Are they more? Are they are they protected by the military wanting to or something? I mean, why why are they so well, elusive? Uh, you know, I've heard all the various stories. It is interesting. Uh, one of the things, just kind of coming back into um, the uh, three letter agency world, um, one of the things that uh, one of the other guys at the table said. Uh, when uh, Bill was talking about this, was the fact that uh, there was a protected area further north of this. This is in some kind of a of a national park or something, and so they do stuff in these national parks and uh, protect certain things. Um, and there is areas that are cut off. We have some areas like that here in the states that are cut off from any kind of um movement at all without you know very specialized permits and there's been speculation that some of these have been herded in those areas you know i i I, let me let me use an example um uh, get a chance to hunt anymore uh just too busy but i used to hunt periodically uh, earlier and i remember going to a particular area and we arrived uh the day before and as we come into town small town directly across from the police station there's a little park you know maybe a quarter acre park it's not even huge at all road right there on either side and there's like 20 deer sitting there on the lawn right there across from the police station downtown this town Dang. and it's like uh how do they know that tomorrow's the beginning of hunting season okay <laughs> Uh, and, uh, but, you know, probably there was maybe a permit that was a day or two earlier that allowed for, you know, something, but they're all there right in town. How do they know that? Well, there's more activity. There's whatever over time they've gotten conditioned. Look, you can train your dog to go after, you know, I had a dog to do anything for Cheeto on the farm. I mean, he'd do anything for Cheeto. You know, and, uh, you know, the, the animals are smarter than you give them credit for. It doesn't mean that they're alien intelligence and it doesn't mean that they have to have, you know, invisibility or something like that. Um, you know, let me let me use another example. How many times have you seen a mountain lion? Twice. OK, uh, I can tell you it's it's pretty rare. Uh, it is very rare. That's why I feel very honored to have seen him twice. I've seen him twice up in New Mexico. Yeah, and uh, it's because you're out in the right places, and they're pretty mobile. Um, a mountain lion doesn't have the ability to change counties, like uh, yeah. But a know, mountain lion, I mean, but a, but a bigfoot is like eight feet tall. I mean, these things are enormous. It'd be like well, Shaq probably running, I mean, the like, kids. I could spot Shaq and, and running around in a forest. You know what I mean? Like these things are make Shaq look like a little kid. How do we not well, see one these? Of, one of the things that uh, Bill said when when we were talking about this, he said that thing took like four steps and it was open territory the way he went and he was gone. Um, I've had you know deer or elk and they but, dropped down and and I mean you were looking right at them a second ago and bang they're gone. But one of the, uh, you were like we've we've had a, we actually I want to touch on this because we've had a discussion about this before a long time ago and I've always wanted to pry your brain a little bit and, and and see what else you knew about them. You told me, can can we talk about that a little bit here? Just touch on that a little bit, because you do know a, yeah. a bit about them. 
And since we're on the topic, can we discuss it? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so they're not as smart as humans, as far as you know, right? No, they definitely aren't. Uh, they're they're uh, think of a porpoise or a dolphin, a, a dolphin uh, or a whale. Uh, the the whales, and uh, let's go back to when this thing had its head against the uh, uh, cairn or the pillar, and was making all these sounds. Uh, and this cairn was built on a solid rock underneath. Um, uh, if if you think of porpoise, bats, uh, various other animals using uh, sono communications, right, right. Like whales, uh, that's how whales communicate. Right, and so imagine that you could be a fairly big distance away, and if you knew, for example, this is right at, at, at sun up, as I recall, and so uh, uh, if you were uh, making noises, uh, think of you know the way that you hear a train coming. You know, you stick your head down to the rail. Hope the train isn't that close. Uh, stick your head to the rail and listen. You could hear the hum of the train. You know, and, and the Indians, you know, could tell you, you know, it's uh, an hour away, two hours away, whatever, because um, that sound is being transmitted along the rails. And they'd done this often enough, it became a skill to be able to tell how far that train was from you by, by how magnified the sound was. And then if you have complex communications where it was going all over the map on the sounds, it could very well be that another animal at a, at a, a, a distance knowing that they communicate at certain times would have its head up against one of these cairns somewhere else and be able to hear um, ah. a communication. Mom, I'm headed home. I'm on my way, you know. Uh, and there is, you know, one of the things that uh, a number of the people that I've talked to uh, on this over the years have said, you know, the sightings that we think we're seeing most of the time are the younger Sasquatch, what we might almost juvenile. call a teenager, uh, a juvenile, they don't appear to be quite as uh, skilled or apprehensive, uh, etc., as the older ones. And uh, you know, just like with uh, great apes, but don't they don't um, they travel in families when they do it, like in tribes, or are they are they? Uh, uh, I don't know that that's something that we you know know enough. There's people that have all sorts of ideas. I remember uh, there was a guy up in Alaska. That, uh, and I remember when this happened, I was in grade school, uh, very young, and uh, he came and spoke uh, to a private group of us. And he was the first guy, and this would have been maybe early 60s, very early 60s. And he was the first person to ever film <laughs> um, uh, an adult male and female and two. Uh, polar bears together is the way I recall it. And it was very unusual. And I'm sure other people will be, oh, I don't know, I don't know, whatever. But as, as I remember the story, normally they don't travel together like that. It'll be mother and a couple of cubs, and then they break up and go different directions. And these were much older than would normally be the case. And they were still traveling together uh, out in a uh, uh, ice region or whatever. So this was supposedly a very unique uh, sighting, and he had the film of it, and everybody was wanting to see it, to do it. And up until that point, they didn't think they really hung out that much together. There may be certain seasons, certain, uh, you know, weather, uh, the fish run, uh, 
something like that, where they show up at certain locations and cluster, and then other times uh, they kind of break up. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, Bill also mentioned about this area where the cairn was, and it stuck with me because other people have had similar things. Uh, he said up in the trees just next to where this was at, there was a bunch of uh, st- stuff that was kind of shiny. And uh, it was just uh, uh, shredded um, uh, like a metallic plastic bag that uh, he thought maybe came from like a garbage dump or something like that, uh, maybe from something military or whatever. And uh, something that he thought looked almost like a Christmas ornament. And it's way up in this tree. And he's like, how did that get there? And uh, so uh, he just mentally noted it. It was it was there in the area, and this is an area where there's nothing else there. He's landed. There's no roads. There's no trails. There's no nothing, really. And uh, in other Sasquatch or Bigfoot sightings, other places, uh, especially up there in the southern Ontario area, and some of the people that have been doing the research, uh, one of the groups you ought to have on is there's a group out of uh, – Trent uh, College, uh, and they've got a, a group of people that are doing research on this stuff uh, with pretty credible material. That's, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've sent some money to them a couple times to, you know, help them out just a little bit here and there, um, just because this is something important to me. And uh, they'd be a better source on this. But one of the things that they've seen where they have repeated sightings besides these cairns is uh, they like to hang shiny stuff in the trees. And uh, like ornaments? Ornaments or shiny or flashy. And it goes to uh, mentally, it's the same thing as like crows. Crows like anything that's shiny. They will scavenge for stuff and they'll collect it and hoard it because it's, it, it, gets their attention and they they literally almost hoard it even from the other crows they'll steal stuff from others crows stash <laughs> so you're so, saying that B- bigfoot would be really great in decorating a christmas tree <laughs> <laughs> no it'd be really great in tearing down your christmas tree tearing down the ornaments and putting them in his his uh, neighborhood so yeah. so so the intelligence of these things as like a human Well, let me finish one thing related to that, by the way, Nino. When we talk about how the brain functions and what, you know, what's going on in their head uh, in this kind of an idiot savant type of a a mentality, uh, crows are extremely intelligent. They have very complex social orders. They can Um, talk even. They can even speak. Yes, they can can learn to say words, uh, parrot words, etc., and so they're, it's amazing uh, just how smart they are, but they have this attraction to shiny stuff. I do, too. I like shiny cars and different colors and all that. So, you know, Same new women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I have to remember a certain person's getting their hair done, and I have to pick her up in a bit, um, uh, or I'll be in trouble. So with that in mind, now think about that you have a, an animal that has a brain that's high-functioning, it's not the same as what we consider high-functioning, but for its environment, like a a whale or a dolphin, uh, anything like that, 
within its zone, it has capabilities that are well beyond what we have. Right, surpasses human humans in that. Are they are they related to humans? Are they a completely different species? I mean, I, I know we we supposedly have ninety nine percent of the DNA of a chimpanzee, right? I mean, are these? Well, things- yeah, the ninety nine percent of the DNA of a fruit fly. Right. Okay. So. Are these things somewhat related to a human being? I mean, it seems to me they're hominids. I mean, well, uh, one of the things, um, so I have a friend that passed away, um, about two years ago. He was, uh, he was the guy that trained B 52 crews all the way up through the H model, uh, beginning to end and a very, very uh, super genius guy. Um, he was a, uh, oil, um, uh, oh, uh, what do they call it when they go out and wildcatter? And he had like a hundred wells that he'd wildcatted his own and, and did very, very, very well. And uh, he was up in Oklahoma, Steve. And um, he, uh, he had done a lot. Of, he, this was one of his favorite subjects. And we'd talked about this a tremendous amount. And he sent money to people helping out on Bigfoot investigations and all that. And, uh, uh, in what he was doing, um, and the stuff that he was, was aware of and kind of, you know, helping fund on the research and stuff like that is an interesting. And by the way, his thing, he had an incident when he was very young. I think he was on a camping trip with his parents and they had some kind of an encounter, uh, that just, you know, uh, nobody's going to tell him they don't exist. Right. Yeah. I've heard once you see these things, it changes you for the rest of your life. Most people go into trying to track them down and find them again because it's like well, a, it, it's it, almost it like a magical m- moment in your life. It had a uh, a warble in its sound. I think he even I'd spent a while since you know he and I had talked, and, and he was just a very very cool guy. Um, but he noted the fact that uh, this one that he had the encounter one or group that he had the encounter. I think he, he said there was more because they were talking to each other at a distance, but it had a wild warble in its voice. And that's what, you know, it just made your skin crawl. And so again, going back to certain notes or resonances, et cetera, uh, that maybe but, they can communicate a distance. So, and did, think of, did, did these well, hold on, let me their, just say this one thing. Let me dead, say this, well, let me say this one thing. So here's, here's the thing on the communications. Have you ever seen like starlings, even crows, et cetera, and they're all flying. And then, uh, especially with, with like starlings like that, they'll dive and go, yeah. go off in a direction. And it's, and like the whole thing is moving together. How do they communicate that fast? Yeah. So synchronously and, and they're not bumping into each other. And when they turn, it's like they're turning. It's like one mind yeah. is Split moving the whole Boom. Yeah. Okay. And they're all doing it together. It's, 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 it's it's instantaneous. How are their? How are they wired together? Is it a sono thing? Is it a? Uh, and it's so instantaneous. And how in a three D situation they're up, they're down, they're sideways, they're right. over. That makes sense. And and it's very fluid through the group. And so part of the speculation is uh, that when they're communicating, uh, they have an extremely complex. Uh, language on the sounds and then they are sophisticated enough there may be like you know the voodoo witch doctor tribal elder one that 
you know, communicate the key places, uh, the bull, whatever you want to call them, that uh, others may be at other locations and he communicates key stuff. That, makes, that would make the most, most sense to me. But Juanito, do they... Have you heard anything about them burying their dead, or are they able to to make fire? I mean, because I mean, it would seem to me if they made fire, they they don't know how to harness fire, obviously. Because if they did, we'd be spotting them all over the place. Yeah, right. I don't think any of that's true as far as fire and like that. And then more, so they don't they don't make they, fire, right? They're they're not able yeah, to create fire. I, I'm not aware of anybody that's ever had any credibility there. It's it's uh, these are these are great apes. Uh, they're in. Uh, you know, some variation probably of the ape family. Now, in some of the tribes, the Indian tribes, they talk about uh, children being taken and raised uh, by Bigfoot's ass watchers up in that. And there's even, uh, you know, pretty credible stuff where there may have been some uh, mating where you get a crossbreed, but it's like a mule. Uh, the chromosome numbers aren't right, so you can have a male donkey and a female horse or a male horse and a female donkey, and you can get a mule or a, uh, oh, what do they call it, a kinney or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and But they can't reproduce themselves. There's been a couple incidences where they've said they've gotten a, a Oh, you mean you mean the hybrid, the whatever this hybrid is, can't can't reproduce. Can't reproduce. Yeah. See, a mule can't reproduce. So that's the way genetics just cuts it off right there, correct? Right there. Yeah. But you could potentially, and this is what some of the speculation is, that you may have uh, some uh, abducted uh, kids raised uh, by these. But the other thing is that. they're extremely fast. Uh, some of the reports, uh, uh, another person that I got to talk to, because I've, I've talked with folks behind the scenes, you know, a number of years, and some of the reports are kind of interesting. I just kind of put them in the back of my mind. But one of the reports was a guy down in the Everglades that had one of these things pop out, and he said it looked like the swamp creature. And then he said, but the reality is, is that it was all wet. So, and it's running super fast. So it wasn't scales. It wasn't a reptilian. It had fur. It was just extremely muddy and mucky. And so uh, he he said this thing was running next to the car at 35 miles an hour for literally a couple hundred yards. And it wasn't until he slowed down, let the thing cross the road in front of it. And it was scared to death. And he was scared to death. And he didn't know what to do. Uh, and, uh, uh, this thing crossed the road and went in the swamp and it was gone. And he says, I mean, 35 miles an hour. Okay. When you think about why don't we see more, et cetera, when they want to, they can change counties. They're extremely powerful. But still, they're so huge. I I mean, does the underground cavern sound to you like that's plausible? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they may very well use natural, uh, you know, places almost like a to, highway system, right? To, to get out of, you know, out of sight, out of the way or whatever. And of course, if they're smart enough, they've probably tracked them down. You didn't know they probably have places that they gravitate to, etc. cetera. Uh, so that's, you know, bears find caves and caverns to go into to hibernate. So it's not unthinkable. You would have the same thing with an animal like this. And I would imagine their uh, vision is impeccable at night. They're nocturnal, aren't they? Yeah. And by the way, one other thing. Let me let me back up again 
for a second. You know, here's here's another thing that goes to the way their brain functions. Um, I sent you some videos. The people up there in Ontario, the reason I watch Ontario is just because of this story from uh, uh, Bill Stevens. Uh, and so I'm going, well, he's absolutely convinced beyond any question. And he's told all the guys, and I've had other guys that were in that realm, you know, laugh about what he's had to say. And also, but this is the guy, remember, this is the guy that James Bond is supposedly based on based on what Fleming said, okay? So he's no riffraff, really. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's doing the real work behind the scenes. I'm, I'm listening, and I don't think he was telling a story just for Greens. He was, this was a very serious subject to him. So then, because he said it happened up there, uh, you know, uh, near Lake Ontario, uh, Camp X, uh, you know, he was, he was flown out, you know, like 100 miles away or something. So it's not next door. It's way out there somewhere. But um, I watched that pretty closely. So I think it's some videos. There's people that are tracking uh, what appear to be, uh, you know, these critters up in that region. One of the things that's interesting is they will take and uh, climb up a tree 40, 50, 60 feet up in a tree and just grab a tree limb and peel it off just peel it until the bark finally uh, peels off. I mean, huge, long stretches. Um, and uh, appear to then build these uh, structures. Very, very, very intricate um, shelters. Putting these tree limbs in, putting it together with a backbone and ribs and everything like that. You come by one day, there's nothing there. You come by the next day, and it's like you had a project, you know, with you know, fifty guys trying. So to are do they this. smart? So they're smart enough to build these and then take them down again and not leave a trace. Well, of what or? they'll do is they'll use them other times. So one of the other things that that uh, they note in some of the researchers there, they will literally dismantle one of these rock things and reassemble it somewhere, or they'll wow. tear it down most of the way, have all the rocks over in a spot, and then. You know, maybe it's down for weeks or months, you know, all of a sudden they come by and the thing's all reassembled again. So they're totally in uh, sync with Earth and nature. They're just totally in sync. They don't need all this technology that we have. They have it built within them. Well, I, I, I don't know that I would put it quite that way. They're they're a uh, an animal that's high functioning look you got the whales that come back to the same place to mate every year and then go all the way north to the arctic you know down to uh, uh maui to mate and all the way up into the arctic to go feeding uh traveling unbelievable uh distances same thing with salmon going out to sea and coming back to the exact same river where they spawned um that have very uh precise intricate um uh, tracking mechanisms in their brain to to you know geolocate etc. I don't think we understand uh, all these. But, functions. but what are they? What are they called? The the North American great ape is that what they're called among circles? Of- uh, that's that's probably my favorite way to describe them. I don't think they're, um, you know, uh, I'm personally very convinced that uh, they exist. I've been I've been talking to guys and looking at this uh, literally for, you know, uh, 
Well, what does that say? Well, what does that say about God? What does that say about evolution? Obviously, it throws a monkey wrench in evolution, or is it just another offshoot of the ape? No, these are not. What does it say about? What does it say about God? These are not humans, and they're not humanoid. These are not human, and they're not humanoid. So a lot of my audience would be like, "Oh, they're demonic. They're nephilim. They're not nephilim, right?" No, they're not nephilim. Um, uh, uh, That is something uh, completely different. It, it, you know. Um, one of the, one of the other people I talked about, you know, or talked to years later, he was, uh, involved, uh, very famously in, uh, uh, and in fact, he, he invented a particular sidearm that was the one that, uh, agents used all over the world for, for years, intelligence agencies, a, a very specific type, specific name, a great friend. He was in Chile and, uh, uh, at a certain point they took him captive and did unmentionable things to him for, you know, several months before he was finally released and, uh, uh, worked for a while longer than retired, but a super guy. Um, he talked about that when he was dealing in, in Southern Chile, there's huge German communities and, uh, he has uh, German ancestry and he would go down as a liaison between, uh, uh, intelligence agencies, uh, not just ours, but other ones, to coordinate activities with these huge uh, German communities. I mean, 30, 40, 50,000 people. Yeah, that's supposedly like the area that Hitler fled to. In Arge- well, he fled to Argentina. Well, he's, uh, yeah, Argentina, Indonesia, you know, other stuff. But uh, on the Chile side, uh, those areas are closed off to everybody. Even the, even the uh, Chilean uh, military uh, stays out of those areas. It's been there for a very long time. And uh, but one of the things that he commented on, because uh, he had a lot of experience there in the Andes, was the reports. You know, just because I raised it with him in a in a casual moment, uh, and we talked for several hours about this about the uh, Bigfoot uh, type sightings uh, around the Andes, and he'd done quite a bit of, of work and communications on this. And he said, you know, in the uh, uh, for example, like when Magellan landed uh, in Argentina or did the trip around South, you know, Chile and came by Argentina or whatever. They captured a couple of these uh, that died bringing them back to Spain or wherever. Uh, but the later writers talked about it and said these were not the uh, uh, Bigfoot creatures or whatever. In fact, they found the bones that have been brought back or something. And those tribesmen, uh, were very animated, not very sophisticated, and they just wore uh, moccasins or shoes or boots that made big imprints in the sand or mud or whatever. And so they weren't Bigfoot. But then he turns around and he says, but on the Chile side, where the mountains come right down to the sea and uh, where the best uh, fly fishing rivers are and all that, uh, the sightings are just innumerable. And anybody in those areas they would speculate if guys disappeared or whatever, was it the Germans or was it uh, the Bigfoot there? And they have a name for it. I can't remember the name of it off the top, top of my head, but they, they have lots of legends. The Yeti, right? They also, I mean, there's so many different yeah, names. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And, so, and that's one of the things, too. You have so many cultures that have a description of something similar that you have to kind of begin to wonder, you know, is it all fantasy fairy tale etc it's like uh just about every culture in the world has a story related to a great flood so at some point 
uh, are all these cultures oh. wrong? Was there a great flood? There's a great flood, and we see other evidence. How do we it. know? How do we know? Like these cave drawings that we see that are supposedly millions of years old are not just the Yeti just painting, doing finger painting. I mean, I don't know. Ah, there's handprints, right? There's human handprints, so that would just eliminate that. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, you know uh, this is this is fascinating to me, Juanito. I'm gonna. I got to tell you, I didn't know that this was the direction we were going to take with this podcast, but um, <laughs> it's fun. Well, I you mean, know, it's fun. Different. Let me just say this, Nino. Let me say this. Um, even with the fires up in Ontario, uh, and there is uh, certain things that are protected up there for for good reason, um, and people doing wild stuff to move populations uh, is very disturbing. Uh, the things going on in Canada. Um, you want to talk about disturbing. That's, that's something that's very disturbing to me. And, and, and really Canadians need to have access to you and some of the other people to explain what's going on there. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to presume to know well enough to articulate what's well, going on there. But I'm very concerned. Feel, I, I hope my audience doesn't feel gypped. I guess we could say tor- stories of Sasquatch. Juanito tells stories of Sasquatch. Juanito's well. I mean, there's stories. more to talk about here, but let me just say, let me just add this, Nino. You know what? I would love to see you do. Uh, get a couple of guys from over at Trent. I'll see if I can pull up one of the numbers or something for you, and uh, they can articulate this very, very well, and they have great uh, material. And and you might even, uh, you know, I sent you a couple of videos from. Uh, one of the gals oh, that does a lot know, of work. I'm up fascinated there. with this subject, Wendy. Though I just, I, I believe it. I don't see why there's not. I, I totally believe in this creature. Uh, I've, you know what? There's videos all over YouTube. If you really scour YouTube and look, there's videos all over the place of this thing that people actually catch. You know, and I have no doubt that they that they exist. I just, I, I find this fascinating. I think it's a good break for me and my audience right now with all the hellish crap that's going on, the doldrums of summer. Everything's just kind of muggy and <laughs> weighed down right now. I just, you know, at least right now we take a little break and talk about Sasquatch. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, while you have a glass of wine and I have a cigar, I think that was a good conversation. Uh, Juanito, I love you, man. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to get going. Um, I guess, okay. I guess, it won. I mean, this was so fun. Thank you. Story time with Sasquatch. <laughs> Story yeah, time of Sasquatch with Don't call me Sasquatch. Sheesh, somebody will be putting a net over me. You're making me hungry. Me. I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> I haven't either because I've been talking to you. You got me by surprise. <laughs> Obviously, I, you know, this was impromptu because I wasn't planning this, and, and uh, so it's just kind of fun. But uh, well, I hope my audience doesn't feel gypped. Well, I hope they don't either. I mean, you want to talk about serious stuff? Look, yeah. I'll introduce you. You know what I need to do, Nino? Seriously, I need to introduce you to some of the people that uh, we're working with in the background on some of these subjects, and uh, they need to be heard within this audience. And, and there's stuff that I can relate. They, what about Sasquatch? Uh, relate? No, no, no. Other, oh, other current news stuff that I don't even want to mention here because this is something you can put out. Whatever. Yeah, but I'm going to put this on YouTube. I mean, we got to get I'll serious on some things, and I'd like to introduce your audience to some of these players where they can speak firsthand and they hear a couple different uh, people that are the experts within uh, some of these news things that are happening and going to happen, and let them have a chance. And I, I think we're at that point where uh, even within uh, Nino's corner and all that, uh, you know, 
screw them. If they won't let us talk about it in these other places, we're going to talk and, and, and start introducing some of these players. Well, to what you the, when, when, when do you want to do a show for one, uh, Nino's corner TV? Do you, you feel like doing that anytime soon? I mean, or do you want to, well, just... you're going to have, you're going to have uh, one of uh, the coalition members on uh, one of my closest friends here uh, Tuesday. Let's, let's yeah, yeah, uh, don't say her name. Okay. I don't even let me do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. And, and, and there's others that, that need to be introduced. So let me, let me do that with you and, uh, and, and let them tell what they need to do. Or, or, you know, their perspective and, and, uh, uh, you know, spread the load over with other people. And, and, uh, so there you go, bro. Sounds good. Juanito, I love you, man. Take it easy. Yeah, I'll call you later. And tell oh, Jennifer way, oh, I said oh, hi. Oh, 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 okay. One quick thing. Uh, so Barbara, the donkey girl, <laughs> um, I got to tell you this. I, I just want to ask all your listeners, say a little prayer. So her older donkey passed away. Uh, a couple uh-huh. months ago, and so she's been having to take care of the other donkey, which is only a year or two younger. And, and donkeys live to be 30, 35, 40 years old, and so she's she's hanging out. You know, uh, Barbara, for those that haven't heard, she's uh, in her 80s, um, and she cares for old yeah. people. Okay, she's still young, but the people she cares for are in their 90s, they're getting old, and she has to help them. So she wow. she's the care caregiver. Okay. So anyway, and she's had to stay home a lot because the donkey is lonely and, you know, he's going through grief over the other donkey. They were, you know, raised together, you know, been together for 30 years. <laughs> so she was out in the in the barn getting, you know, hay and water and all that for him. And uh, she said she felt lightheaded. And then, uh, you know, she lost her bearings and passed out. Fortunately, she was on the hay so it was soft on the floor. Uh, unfortunately, on the way to the floor, she found the uh, water basin and broke two ribs. Oof. And so that wasn't so good. But fortunately, she did break the two ribs because it looks like she had some kind of a heart event. And the pain from the broken ribs kept her uh, uh, stimulated, irritated enough. She just didn't fall asleep and die. She, it it brought her back, kept her moving till she could get in the house, uh, get assistance, go to the AR, go to the doctor in the AR and all that. And, and so the broken ribs maybe saved her life. Oh, Seriously. Wow. Sometimes you, you know, Tell, you give Barbara my best, please. Give her my well, best. She's, she's, she's very fun. Okay. And, uh, so a little prayer for Barbara. She's, uh, she's kind of dealing with a couple different things. She's a true sport. I talked to her yesterday, called her and, uh, she's so upbeat, you know, so many people get so wound up and so exhausted. And what was me? This is somebody that just went through all this and she's, you know, give Nino my best when you talk to him. Oh, we love him. You know, Nino, 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 you know, you know, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Tell her I said, I love her. Hey, Juan, can I give you some advice real quick? Yeah. yeah. There's a shrimp I'm looking at right now. You need to decrap that shrimp. Oh no no no! This isn't. This is a leaf. This is. Oh. A, this is a leaf. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, my bad. Uh, I thought that was like. Yeah. Oh, you got to take that out of there, Juanito, before you yeah. eat it. All right, Juan. Yeah, thank no. you so much, man. I'll keep in touch with you. I'll call you later on today. Let me get this loaded to YouTube. All right. Love you, bro. I love you too, Juanito. See you later. All right. Bye.
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.